Hello and welcome to LSH Talks, a podcast hosting important conversations within the commercial property network. Today we are sharing an episode focused on International Women's Day, which I spoke about with three employees here at LSH. Sophie Wisdom, National Head of Operational Service Lines at In-House Council, Carla Watson, Associate Director, and Elise Evans, Director. The topics we touch on throughout this episode are elements that are currently under review and are being discussed within the company since they were raised on last year's series of short interviews for International Women's Day here on the podcast. These episodes are still listenable on all streaming platforms. The seeds of International Women's Day were planted in 1908 when 15,000 diverse women marched in New York City demanding shorter working hours, better pay and the right to women. The following year it was voted by 17 countries to be celebrated as an international day. The property industry is still a very male-dominated space, however keeping up these conversations helps more awareness to be spread and shared throughout our company, our competitors and our clients. We hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. So why do you think that it's important that we observe International Women's Day? I guess it's important because of social change that's happened over the last 30 odd years. I guess the role that women play in society has changed dramatically. You know, no longer are are women sort of uh, signed up to a life of housewifery. People are having careers. And actually, I suppose, observing International Women's Day is trying to celebrate the independence and kind of, I suppose, progress that's been made within how women sit on a societal hierarchy in a way. It's recognising the value that women can bring and hopefully it's a celebration. I think it's got good and bad bits to it, International Women's Day, because to me, sometimes it feels a bit like a, a tick in the box annually that as, as corporate, you know, they can kind of just almost do a tick in the box. And I think it can be difficult sometimes to celebrate International Women's Day without seeming to be anti-other things. And I think it's important to celebrate progress, to celebrate the different values that women bring, different people in business. But it also, I think, it's difficult sometimes feeling like that women then become a subcategory, which you don't necessarily want to be when you're in business. I think, you know, I would want to be thought of as as a colleague and as a leader within the business, not necessarily a woman colleague and a woman leader. So it's really important to celebrate, to flag, to use it to um, as an opportunity, but to also make sure that that as a result of that there is some you know progress and change and that it is a, it's a continued conversation beyond the one day a year where it where it's sort of talked about definitely i agree with your points there sophie to raise awareness and promote change is the key thing that we'd want to do in lsh and i think this sort of podcast isn't just for the company but it's for anyone who's listening that wants to know perhaps even males um you know everyone really because we like to follow equality as to what is international women's day and i think today in the podcast we'll probably all learn the situations that we've all been in or perhaps still issues that we think have perhaps carried forwards to today that perhaps we thought no longer existed. I completely get where you're coming from, Sophie, regarding ticking a box. I feel the same in terms of the work I do outside of LSH. When I first started, I felt like people only really contacted me for features on International Women's Day, not because I was necessarily good at what I do, but because I ticked the box that they were looking for. What issues do you think that women would generally encounter in the workplace and what can be done to address gender stereotypes? And obviously, this is very generally speaking, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I think, again, it's difficult because I wouldn't want to say that I can speak for all women to say this is this is issues that you may encounter but I suppose to me it's an understanding of particularly 
an assumption being made about what women can or can't do, potentially assumptions to do with childcare because of um, women's age. And uh, women often sort of, I think, encounter issues because sometimes they're not as pushy, not and um, they can be overlooked. And I think they're the sort of the kind of continued issues that some people would sort of encounter. And then what can be done to, to, for those? I think there just needs to be a recognition that um, people have different attributes and different ways of looking at things. Things like the childcare. I, I personally wouldn't see that as a woman's issue. I see that as a parent's issue. So I would wanting there to be strong parent policies in terms of, you know, for com- companies to be able to, to operate. But I wouldn't necessarily limit that to just being a, a woman's issue. I can see that that change is coming because they're introducing paternity leave and longer periods of paternity leave for male employees and, and what have you. And I think almost incorporating men into the consideration of working parents rather than working mothers actually also helps the situation that women find themselves in the workplace because it's almost accepting that this is a parental role rather than a motherly role and therefore it's the equal responsibility of both men and women who have families that are in the workplace to manage the logistics of having the children which is very difficult (laughs) but it's an equal responsibility and and the fact that you can see that businesses are recognizing this to me feels as though change is on its way I don't think we've got there yet by any stretch of the imagination and I'm only saying that from personal experience of having had two children since being in a career that I think there's a long way to go but at the same time from when I first joined the company maybe about 11 years ago I think things have changed dramatically in that time so it's good to see. So over generations the societal expectations and trends have definitely changed for women. Um, How do you feel that the workplace is changing to support this cultural shift within LSH and do you feel that there's been any progress between the start of your careers onto the issue now? I suppose from the gender pay that's something we've seen that's really improved. I think it's fantastic that companies are now able to review the figures, they can standardise them and obviously they do report the figures as well so that is a really positive change and it just makes it fair it makes us women be seen as people rather than just women which is really good there's still a long way to go though because when you actually look at the stats and admittedly I haven't looked at them since I came up against this personally about three years ago there is yes okay the element of transparency is without a shadow of a doubt improved which is really encouraging but you still look at the statistics and there's still a gap well particularly in our business i.e in the property sector it's still so male dominated there still is the fact of the matter that if you take time out to have children then that will have a negative impact on your career progression that is just is what it is that's right or wrong or whatever from my experience that definitely has an impact and I just the transparency of seeing the differences between men and women's pay and the gender pay gap is great but I still think that there needs there's a lot of work to be done to bring up the equality of how women are seen and paid for what they do in the workplace I think transparency is probably the key word there to me in that I think, and I know that Lambert Smith-Hampton is, is moving much more towards is making things clear. How do you progress within the, within the company? What metrics you are being measured against and are they is everybody being measured against the same metrics so that there is transparency, there is clarity. It's not that you just get a tap on the shoulder by a senior partner because you're a base fit. There is a clear structure able to progress with, you know, the 
promotion strategy each year, the um, pay reviews being calibrated and, and seen across the business so that there is a clear and measurable standard by which everybody is judged. And, and hopefully that is as transparent as possible. And to me, that's got to be one of the key things that, that as a business, we need to make it clear that if you want to progress, you know, join as a graduate and you want to progress up to director, these are the stages you need to go through. These are the, the, the bits that you need to tick off and then you can progress. And that, that then sits with each individual. If there is a lot of grey and it's not overly clear as to, you know, how do I get from A to B? Then that's where I think there can be people overlooked or, you know, assumptions being made that people don't want to progress when actually they just don't know how. So to me, I think as a business, we need to be open to people um, having career, you know, ambition, et cetera, but also making sure that there is a clear path and that is both visible, documented, you know, can be referred back to. And I think that takes a lot of the grey out in any organisation that can only be a positive thing. Definitely. And I think somewhere in the background there, there's probably been a big shift in culture in relation to the destigmatization of the parental leave. If you think of promotions and how they tie in with, you know, having children, I know that perhaps more so in the dark ages, but, you know, it does still happen in workplaces today that even if a, a woman is perhaps next in line for a promotion, a manager could perhaps see that she's at the age where they'd expect her to have children. And it's things like this in culture where even maybe personally you might be thinking, is that the right step for me? Because if I have a family, I might have to pick between my career and family. And this is where I think we need to, and across society as well, need to be a lot stronger with parental leave. And, you know, a manager or a personal self shouldn't have to think of that because males could also take paternity leave or they could choose to share it and, you know, not miss out on those promotions. I don't think, within LSH in particular, I don't think that the male paternity offering is what it is at other firms in our industry. I think that it is a really fair point and it's something that I know is under review. I think that actually does women in the business a favour because it brings up the equality of what is expected within the workforce of working parents. And if it means that Yes, women can have up to 12 months maternity leave, but men can have two weeks. In my mind, that screams inequality right there because it's not how it should be. And there are competitors of ours, institutional clients of ours who have gone off and taken six months maternity leave, you know, and, and good for them. And so so they should, you know. And why, why isn't that standard? Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, you know, I... I, I personally got two children and I suppose myself and my husband took the the view at the beginning that that's what we were going to do is that we were going to share that childcare so we sort of both went part-time but he therefore made a flexible work application as did I at the beginning of when we did that but and I think that is becoming more common and you know anecdotally between you know friends that um that I've got we we definitely there is much more expectation on that and I think as a therefore to be an employer of choice you need to be offering that to everybody it then sends the messages and, and reflects that so I think it's important um I guess another sort of cultural shift is, is possibly having some more visible women leaders within within businesses which I think the impact of that can be important for people to see that there again it's following that route through that, 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 that there is that route and it's not something that there is going to be blockers on it um and 
and so I think that that can help as well. Well, this was something that I was going to touch on next, which is an article which states that the number of women reaching senior leadership positions within organisations has slowed and stalled since the 1990s. And I wondered, based on this, what do you think is holding women back in the workplace and what can we do about it? Potentially women, if they don't see other people like them doing jobs in higher positions, they don't think that they can aspire to a level like that. And I'd, again, that's just a personal opinion and something we've previously discussed, but I'd be interested to hear if you think this is true. I mean, if that's the case, then that is that is a sad state of affairs, isn't it, really? That we're almost, and I don't mean us individually, but I, we as in women, if that if that is the case, that women are feeling that they can't achieve because they don't see anybody else above them in those positions, then that is a real shame. I, I personally don't feel like that within the property sector because I, I do think it is possible to climb to senior management level and there are you know I mean I work in agency and I can think of a, a few women who have done exactly that maybe not necessarily LSH but within the property sector so it is it's certainly possible and I I guess from re- recruiting at sort of root brand level women into our sector it's a mindset from day one that women should feel like they should they can achieve anything that a man can achieve I, I think that's really unfortunate that if there are women in the workplace that think that they can't just because they can't see a woman as a CEO in their firm for example I'm not sure it's quite as black and white as that so much as I'm not sure it's even necessarily a conscious just thought I think it's maybe just maybe it's just a, a number, one of a number of factors that could potentially be feeding into thought processes but I mean I think I'm not sure I recognize that 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 it, that it stalled completely I would say it's different sectors and as, and as you know as we know property is a, is a difficult sector potentially to recruit women into and it's interesting at least you say that you know you climb and I think there is an element of of, of, of everybody within property you know it, it's a climbing and it's a pushing and I suppose for, for, for lots of people, um, that, can, that can be quite challenging. So whether there is more to be done in terms of opportunities being created for to, to diversify workforces in a number of factors, not just male and female, to ensure that those opportunities are there for people. Managers being aware of their own potentially unconscious bias, their, their, their sort of their own restrictions and, and therefore to be seeking out opportunities to to look to to help others to to help with that climb if, if people are interested but i think one of the big challenges we've got in the property sector is is interest for women sometimes to be interested in the property sector because i think it is seen to be quite male dominated and i think it, it that that could be off-putting or maybe it's just not a sector that's particularly attracting women so whether there needs to be more done in schools or in general you know from, from sort of policy groups to try and highlight the, the the vast variety of jobs and the broad range of which what you can do within property so you know whether you're going to be doing consultancy or general practicing surveyor or office agency or property management and there's sort of such a wide variety but property in some ways is it's almost so big that it's difficult to, to sort of think where you'd fit in with that. So I, I think there should be just a more general promotion of what, what surveying and pro- commercial property management is is about so that people therefore 
perceive it as an option for themselves. Yeah, I think you're right, because there are so many different elements in the property sector that trying to work out where your skill set, where you're going to excel and what is your your bag in a way um, is very difficult when you're 18, just about to go to university, study or whether you've already done that and you do a postgrad or, or however that pans out. The opportunities in, in property are far and wide. And I suppose it's just difficult to try and um, encourage women to identify with a broad range of sectors, I suppose. I mean, you know, you would look at sectors such as building consultancy, for example, or I mean, I work at the industrial agency and there's not many of us uh, women in the industrial agency sector and not particularly glamorous, I suppose, but that's just dreadful word to use but you see you see what I mean it's trying to make these sectors more attractive to females from a from from an earlier time or stage so that they, they they're aware that these opportunities are even there because quite honestly most of most of us probably just fall into these sectors by accident in a way yeah and I think I think you know it's possibly even a wider wider thing for the property industry of, of of making itself more accessible more generally to ensure that there are young graduates coming through male and female and I think you know that is what LSH does well in terms of you know graduate recruitment schemes apprenticeship schemes etc and, and ensuring that they there are opportunities and I think the more we can get out the you know the benefits of working in property the you know the interest the, the variety but I think again it does come back to the word earlier that we used the transparency it is a difficult industry to understand sometimes you know I've worked with the SH since 2019 and there's still bits of the business that I see a job title on a bit of paper I'd have to think carefully what what I understand that role to be and I think you know and that's me working within the company so I think there is a little bit of demystification and simplifying of, of what of what the role it means so if you say it's BC what does that mean what does that on a day-to-day basis mean that you'll be doing and I think I'm from a legal background and I know that the Law Society did an awful lot of work in terms of trying to use plain language and make things more transparent but a lawyer is a bit more straightforward I suppose most people would have that as a common understanding of the term surveyor potentially but you would think very much common understanding of what a surveyor would be or working in property probably that only captures a very tiny percentage of what actually LSH does as a business so I think there's quite a bit of work to do in terms of just demystifying what it is that we do and the you know the interest that that can bring and I suppose the question is here even if we do have opportunities available the stats that this shows here is that it's the women who aren't reaching those senior leadership roles so is it perhaps that women don't have the confidence or not realizing the value that they can offer to be able to jump for these opportunities that are available once you're past sort of you know having families or or whatever 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 you're doing then reaching that sort of senior role is difficult because you have by the time you get there you have a lot of other commitments that are outside the workplace and you need to prioritize time and I think that it's it's difficult to put in the time required when you have other commitments that take up time that actually previously you had on your hands. And I think that's the timing of, of career progression against family life makes that tricky. And that perhaps is demonstrates why 
there aren't a huge amount of women that are at that stage in the hierarchy because over time, most of the men and women who are there have been there for 10, 15 years. And we've only really seen the social change in the last 20 years or so start to kick in. And I'm hoping that for the next generation coming through, things will have changed that will allow that progression actually to be easier or more realistic, I suppose, for a woman in her career across all corporate maybe scenarios, not even just corporate, sorry. I don't know why I say corporate. It's not just corporate life. It's, it's any working life, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose this is where the flexibility around hours um, and sort of working from home helps to support that across all businesses. And that's that will be a huge shift, like you said, over the next generation. And all of that is actually, well, in my experience, working from home, I've never worked from home in my life until the last two years. And this has almost triggered discussions like this that we're having that out of no one's choice, what's happened with the pandemic in the last two years has actually shown that businesses can maintain productivity, allowing their staff to have more flexible hours or work from home more often. Working from home for me before was not, it wasn't even on my radar, but having experienced it and having experienced how good productivity can still be equal to being in the office every day, and how much easier it actually makes my life in terms of logistics and therefore reduces the stress and, you know, aggravation at each end of the day and all the rest of it, all of that, what that entails. Perhaps a pandemic and and new sort of working from home, flexible working practices will help speed that process up so that it will actually be, you know, women in senior management roles will be more common in the next five to 10 years because it's taken, you know, 20, 30 years to get to where we are now. But I, I believe that actually that process will, will, will accelerate. Something which then ties into that is the networking side of things and encouraging women to speak to each other and build those strong relationships. Podcasts like this, which will then be shared on LinkedIn, which help others to network and talk to each other about different issues. Obviously, since we've been working from home, networking has definitely changed. But how would you advise that we can build different and strong relationships with others working within this sector? That is the problem with the working from home, because in property, everyone, you know, people, is a people business and you I'd much prefer to see people face-to-face clients face-to-face other colleagues face-to-face you pick up on what's going on any news you know it's that's that that is the issue and I think that's the sort of balance isn't it because I, I think the office space is is incredibly important to allow people to communicate with each other for younger people to have training to have support and I think you can't I don't you know I think I think possibly you know, a little bit of flexibility on a local basis depending on what your you know what's 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 needed for your day that um in order to do your role but I do think kind of the um definitely an office space the kind of requirement to have people face to face to meet clients to, to have that networking I think it is it is actually important and I know that everybody within the um, commercial and residential property management teams the majority of people are really keen to get back into the office to then link up with other areas of the business because for Lambert Smith Hampton you know there's an awful lot of cross-selling and the ability to then 
generate through client networking, et cetera, other opportunities across the business. And I think that's been the thing that's really been lacking in the last couple of years. So I suppose whilst I can see the benefits of the flexibility. In addition, from my personal perspective, I think, again, as a working mum with kids at home, I quite like coming into an office because I move from that home space into I'm in work mode now and it's quite difficult. I think there is a, a mental load carried from working from home in that, you know, the doorbell will ring or the, you know, someone will try and drop a parcel off or there's, there's an awful lot of stuff going on at home. And I, I think there is a benefit to me to coming into the office and and then my working day is done. And that was one of the disadvantages to me from working from home was there was real, no real cutoff between when my working day finished and you know, my home life started and it all became very blurred throughout lockdown. And I think the load particularly carried probably by women in terms of homeschooling and having kids at home was very challenging and I do think that probably did sit quite heavily on quite a lot of women so I wouldn't necessarily assume that the flexibility and working from home policies will always benefit women because I do think that there is a definite advantage to, to being in in the office and having those face-to-face discussions particularly on things like zoom as well sometimes it can be hard to, to speak up and get your opinion across and actually it's much easier to read signals and and have that communication face-to-face with people in the office but and again not just women, but sometimes, you know, younger people or people new to the job, people who've joined the company recently. I think it's very difficult to do everything remotely by Zoom. I just don't think you've got um, the same ability to communicate and really interact. And I think that, um, so I think, you know, getting back into the office and, and having that communication face-to-face and hopefully getting around the, around the offices a bit more, it will, will help everybody. Yeah, I think it's it's really nice when you're in the office to have a quick catch up over a coffee. And I think the important thing is finding the common ground with people and to promote that social interaction that we'd be missing at home. And I think in these times, this is also where you might miss out the opportunity to perhaps connect with people who are diverse and have completely different interests to yourself. You know, and you, you do get more visibility for, you know, towards things like promotions as well. You get to speak to people a lot easier I suppose reading online women can also seem to struggle with networking this is something that would support um, the improvement of that really I completely agree with everything that's been said there and within my personal job role I am completely remote that is something that's really interesting obviously it takes the part of in-person networking completely out of it and it is really hard sometimes to read and understand people's feelings and how their body language is when you're just talking to them through a zoom screen and don't get me wrong in some ways I think working from home has been a bit of a blessing to a lot of people but at the same time when you're at home you're only surrounded by the same people and it's very easy to narrow your scope and not really look any further than the normal people you would see and speak to yeah and I think it's very difficult to feel part of a bigger company as well so I'm gonna one of um, Hampton's biggest strength is the kind of the breadth of work that we undertake. And so therefore the kind, you know, one client can come and have different interactions with various different bits of the business. Whereas if you're working from home, I think it can create like a culture where you are literally just focusing on what you're doing. Whereas if you're in an office environment, you know, agency might be able to, you know, oh, I've got an opportunity that I can, you know, speak to property management about, can I introduce this colleague? And I think it's that subtle networking that I think is is much easier when you're in an actual office space and 
um, and probably just acts as a trigger because you see someone walking by when you're on a call to someone and actually you think, oh, hang on a minute, I, I, I actually do know somebody. So I think that office network um, and, and that's one of the strengths that Albert Smith-Hampton can kind of, um, yeah, continue to, to, to use. Um, and that's not then having to kind of go and drink bad wine with lots of people in a, in a big room. You know, this is the networking that we're talking about, getting people back into offices to allow them to, to sort of discuss and cross ideas. So in terms of tangible advice that we can kind of end this episode on, in terms of you three in your careers, is there any advice that you could give to someone listening to this who is perhaps at the beginning of their career, they're either an apprentice or they have just finished at university and they're wanting to get into a senior leadership role, they don't know where or how to even start? In any job, you have to be putting the effort in I think you know for, for all of opportunities can be given opportunities can be offered but um, as a manager myself you want to help people who, who who want to proceed I don't think anybody should just be sitting back and expecting a you know a company to look after them or you know for them to have automatic promotion I think you need to be clear what it is that you want and what your goals are and that might not be the same as the person sitting next to you so I suppose kind of looking at you know what's important to you what is it that you want to be doing next and then speak to people about how how you can get there don't apologize for asking stupid questions no such thing as a stupid question equally don't apologize if, even if it is a bit of a silly question if you need to understand it and you need someone to explain something then then i think do that and make sure that your manager is clear where you're heading and what you want to be doing because i do think that lots of big companies sometimes there's, there's sort of people sitting there saying well you know nothing's happening to me and i think there is a there is a little bit of a an impetus that people should be be clear what it is that they want as well and then asking for those opportunities so I think um yeah and, and then what they need to do to get to that and I think that's you know I think that's possibly something that sometimes overlooked. I also think as well that uh, I'm just drawing on my own experiences because I didn't come into commercial property until quite late on in life. And I would say that don't be afraid of change. And if you want, if, if you have an instinct that you're better suited this sector or a different part of the property sector, then then don't be afraid to try it out. You know, don't don't trundle along unhappy and insecure in what you're doing if you're not enjoying it because actually change can be good yeah and in relation to what's led me to my position now I think the key thing would be speak up without the fear of any unconscious bias which we all know is led sort of by the stigmas that we've mentioned earlier and the gender stereotype you know it's important to feel the same as anyone else really regardless of whether you're male or female or what diverse background you're from so having that confidence and adding on to Sophie's point knowing what you want to do and being quite clear if you're working for the right business they will be able to support you and I think I think sometimes it's also coming with a solution so if you want some flexible working to allow you whatever then it's a question of them saying and this is how it would work and this is what I would this is how I would do it or rather than just problems that it, it coming with some solutions and that you've already thought about so that you're clear, you know, so if I want a flexible solution so that on a Monday I can work from home. I'm happy that, you know, I can cover this off. I'll be in these other days. This will help because of X, Y and Z. And I think that sometimes, as you said, it's not sitting there sort of unhappy with what, what's happening. It's thinking what would actually make me 
feel better about this and how can that be achieved? You don't have the confidence to create your own destiny rather than thinking that you're in some way or another sort of falling by the wayside. It's up to it's up to you really as an individual. And it's, it's, I mean, gender is irrelevant in my view on this. I think anybody that's uh, young coming into the early stages of their career you know you've got you've you've got to make it happen yourself and um and that's and that's and that's you know don't if you feel like you want to uh push yourself then don't be afraid to do it and be, and, and, and also if if you know if you're quite happy with doing what you're doing then i think just be happy with that i think there's always this sort of assumption that everybody's desperately trying to get to the next stage but some people are you know you're at a place where you're quite happy and that's where you want to be that's great and enjoy that be that person because i think that's a great place to be and different people at different times in their life will have different strains on them or different opportunities presented i suppose if you do want to progress then then look for the opportunities create the opportunities and, and, and work hard for them i've always had a fairly old-fashioned view that if i am working hard and doing what i'm you know meant to be doing then you know it will be recognized but i think sometimes you have to help people recognize that as well so you know don't assume that people are just noticing it you make sure that you are flagging it to them that that, that, that is what that's what's being done yeah and and you know there's often different metrics that we can use to sort of show success and i think if the way in which success is, is measured is is very um linear then we can then women sometimes can be overlooked um, whereas if you can sort of demonstrate, you know, sort of as a whole person, as a whole employee, all the things that you're doing and think about the benefit, you know, in terms of are you doing lots of cross-selling? Are you doing lots of training? Are you are you supporting your colleagues? There's, there's more than just one way to demonstrate success. And I think, and that's incumbent on managers as well to be setting those, those targets, making sure that people are clear on what success looks like so that you can... Um, that you can you can achieve that and I suppose with PDRs coming up etc that's important that people ask if they're not clear what you know in order to demonstrate that I'm doing well at my job what is it that I need to be demonstrating and I think that's a that's a valid question to ask your manager. Thank you again to Carla, Elise and Sophie for joining me on today's episode. If you visit the show notes of the podcast you'll be able to visit their LinkedIn's and connect with them further. 